$10,000. Then you get $10,000. Everybody's going to get... Well, not everybody, actually. You, you might have to pay the $10,000. Welcome to the program. Happy... What is today? Wednesday. That's it. Happy Wednesday. The Pete Callender Show here on News Talk 1110-993 WBT. President Biden handing out our money to the people who have run up lots and lots of college debt. Hey, I ran up college debt as well. Stupid me. I paid it off. I'm an idiot. Um, And uh, from what I'm seeing in the reporting, that's all at this point speculative because we're not sure uh, what the plan is for when an announcement is going to be coming. But the leaking is underway. Um, They uh, apparently are going to. Uh, forgive, quote unquote, they're going to cancel. He wants to cancel by executive edict uh, $10,000 in student debt for anybody uh, who makes currently under $125,000 a year. Uh, But also uh, they want to uh, put a cap or uh, uh, give a forgiveness of up to like $20,000 if you got the Pell Grant. And you could actually have two people in a household that could collect somewhere north of, you know, $30,000 or around $30,000 if they're both making under 250 combined, right? So I'm sure all the people who did not get a college degree are super excited about paying off the folks who made the investment. It's funny how you don't hear uh, all of the folks who always talk about education spending talking about investments in regards to this topic. Because that's what a college degree is. Now, I am one who, over the years, I have talked about how, you know, the college degree is not necessarily, in my view now, it's essentially a credentialing uh, service. That's what it it resembles more to me, especially at like the Ivy League level, the, the, you know, the super prestigious colleges. To me, what college... Uh, was was proof that if I start something, I can finish it without anybody, uh, you know, like a parental unit, uh, you know, standing over me and telling me, make sure you get up and go to school and do your homework and all of that. You you, you do it on your own by yourself, self-motivated to finish college. And the stuff I learned in school versus the stuff I learned when I got out into the, quote, real world, actually working in radio uh, I would say I learned more probably working in radio. I had some fundamental tools that were provided at Winthrop University in the MassCom Broadcast Department, and I'm grateful that I got them. They made the job way easier, taught me how to write, you know, news copy and how to discern, uh, you know, journalism ethics. And that's not a, ju- it's not, a, that is not an oxymoron. You should have ethics in journalism. So uh, I I learned a lot, but the stuff you learn on the job and the stuff you learn just uh, every day on the air as a host or every day when I was a reporter here at WBT for, you know, about a decade and you get presented with all sorts of uh, uh, issues and, and obstacles and ethical dilemmas. What do you report? How do you report? You make mistakes. You learn from the mistakes. You, you learn a lot on the job. And uh, I'm not so sure that telling people that they now, if they did not get a degree, that they now have to pay the people who did get a degree in order to do what? What's the point of getting the degree? 
It's to make an investment for your long-term wealth, right? Isn't that the play? Isn't the play that I go to school, I get a degree, I learn about an area or several areas or uh, nothing really valuable at all if you're uh, apparently going to school in the modern era, but uh, you go to school, you get a degree, you learn your trade, your craft, or whatever it is, the profession, the career that is of interest to you. And the idea is that the initial outlay of the capital provides you a return on the investment in the long term. Why would you get a college degree if it did not mean greater opportunity for wealth down the road? Why would you do that? That's not an investment then, right? That's camp. And look, there are a lot of people who go to college and they treat it like camp. I speak from experience. I mean, not my, enti- not my entire college career. But for a portion of it, absolutely. You're away from home, first bit of freedom, you're learning, you know, adulting, as the, as the kids today like to call it. Folks in, you know, previous generations would just call it life, but whatever. Um, you learn how to interact with people, how to live with roommates, how to do dishes, that kind of thing. Uh, well, if you're not, if you were some of my roommates, you never did learn that. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I, I'm not naming names. It's not important. So President Biden is going to issue an executive order. This is all, again, speculative at this point because President Tapioca has not uh, roused from his uh, nap yet to provide us the details. But they're leaking it out, running it up the flagpole. And I think I heard, uh, I think it it was Brett uh, Winterbull yesterday who made the comments that, of course, they're going to make some sort of an announcement about this forgiveness because you don't put it out there that he's going to make an announcement all, you know, just for him to come out and say, I'm not going to do this thing that my base really, really wanted me to do. And make no mistake, this has been a long time, long term campaign by leftist activists who got degrees that do not compensate them in real life to a degree that they cannot or that they can't uh, repay it. And so they're underwater. They're also leftist activists, and as such, they are animated by envy and greed because that is what the philosophy of leftism is. Marxism is the philosophy of greed and envy. And so when they see somebody who goes to a better school, quote-unquote better school, they go to a better school and uh, they don't have the crushing debt that the leftist activist has, they're envious of that. And they want a little something-something for their effort, you know? They, they they want, you know, the people that they put in power, they worked so hard for, door-knocking and phone-banking, they want that guy to take some of the money and give it back to them. The problem is, this thing is a dead-bang loser on multiple fronts for Biden and for Democrats. I'm not going to stop them. I mean, we're already, you know, way down the slippery slope. We are, you know, hurtling towards the abyss at record pace. So, you know, the the arguments about the cost and uh, 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 the the debt and inflation and all of that stuff. I've been saying that stuff for my entire adult life. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. There's an entire modern monetary theory constructed around the idea that none of that matters. So 
uh, we have to crash and burn as much as I am loath to say it. And I fear the day when it happens, but I don't see any way around it. And people like me who have been arguing for fiscal restraint, balanced budgets, that sort of we've lost that argument. And now with uh, President, you know, Santa Biden in the White House, he's going to just uh, start throwing the cash around at his base. Now, I don't know, maybe it's proof that they think they really are going to get wiped out in November. And this is the last chance to do it. We'll go over the uh, the galactic stupidity of this idea uh, in a minute. David Harsani at The Federalist says the government's guaranteeing of student loans was one of the worst policy ideas in recent history. It incentivizes schools to charge huge tuitions, people to get useless degrees, and banks to hand out giant loans. It's a giant moral hazard. One of the keys to keep in mind here on student loan debt is it is non-dischargeable in bankruptcy. You can't get rid of it. So there's there's no moral hazard. Why do you think you pay interest rates so high on a credit card? Because you can wipe that out in bankruptcy. So they charge you more interest commensurate with the risk you pose. No such moral hazard uh, uh, factoring in the student loan debt debacle. Uh, let me go over here to Rob. Welcome to the program, Rob. How are you? I'm doing good. Hope you are. I am. Yes, sir. Got it got something I want you to clarify. You inferred that all college grads were getting some of this um, loan repayment or loan um, cancellation. I went to school. I had no student loans. Between my parents and myself, we paid for my education. We raised our daughter. We paid for her undergraduate degree. We called it the princess plan. Mom and dad paid for everything. (laughs) We didn't get anything there. Right. I mean, we didn't need any assistance. So you kind of inferred that all of us were getting a piece of this pie and the taxpayers no. are paying for no, you don't have any education. No. And I'm calling you out on that. You're not and, calling me out, Rob, because I clearly said that it's for student loan debt. You don't have debt from student loans. I didn't have any debt. Right. So you, so now, obviously you're not getting any money. There is, Rob. Because I didn't use the program, what do I get? You I don't get anything. For somebody else who didn't do it correctly. You don't get anything, Rob. No, I get to pay for someone yes. who didn't do it right. Correct. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Where well, are we going uh, in this country? No, that that that. I mean, that's that's Marxism. Um, yeah, you, you yeah, know, you did not take out any debt, so this doesn't apply to you. But the people who do have debt, and by the way, it doesn't account for people like me who did take out debt but paid it back. So I don't get anything either. So it, it makes no difference whether you took out debt or whether you took it and paid it back. Here's another one. You take out a loan next month. You take out student loans next month, you're not going to get that $10,000 either. It's just for the people well, who have... we don't know that yet because this could be a reoccurring event every, every year, every two or three years. Yeah, it could. If this guy stays in office. Yeah. I mean, how many votes are you buying here? I don't see. Well, there's the political calculation of it, and I'm not so sure that this doesn't boomerang against them because you got people that are already, let's just say, disenchanted with the Democrats, and the folks that are disenchanted are uh, not the college degreed uh, left wing base that they rely on. There are a lot of people that are not 
uh, college degree activist class. They are working class. They're blue collar workers. And they're not going to take too kindly. They're white collar workers, too, who went and did it like you did or did it like I did it. And there's going to be a bunch of resentment against them for this. So there is concern among Democrats that they're going to get a backlash for taking this course. Well, and you know, there's something else to think about, too. What I don't know is what percentage of college students have student loans. Ah. We already know that somewhere between, what, 25 and 28 percent of the population has a four-year degree. So almost one-third, almost a third of all the student debt is owed by the wealthiest 20% of households. One-third of all the debt is owed by a fifth of the households. Only 8% of all of the, only 8% of the debt is owned by the bottom 20%, that fifth, the, the lower fifth uh, quintile, whatever, in, the, in wealth, right? So the poorest 20% has just 8% of the debt, which means what? 92% of the debt is carried right now by middle income, upper middle income, wealthy, affluent, right? All of those other four uh, groups of income. And that, that's why people are saying that this is a payoff to the affluent, not to the poor. This isn't going to help very many of them at all because the problem isn't the debt. The problem is the access to get to college in the first place. That's the problem. Rob, I, I appreciate the call. I hope I uh, clarify that. I got a bunch of data on this um, I'm going to go over. But there are six reasons why Biden should not do this. And these are offered by Ben Ritz. Love his crackers, by the way. Uh, ben Ritz is the director of the Progressive Policy Institute's Center for Funding America's Future. The Progressive Policy Institute was the intellectual home of the New Democrats. Remember them? They were under President Bill Clinton, they, it, we, he was calling them the, the PPI, called them his idea mill. The Progressive Policy Institute. They're saying don't do this. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Ben Ritz, writing at thehill.com. He is... The director of the Progressive Policy Institute, he gives six reasons why Biden should not cancel student debt. Number one, mass debt cancellation would undermine the Inflation Reduction Act. He says, look, you got a historic victory with the IRA, right? This uh, Translation Reduction Act, which is, you know, a climate bill. And it's a climate change bill. It's a health care bill. It's like all these all these other things, right? Canceling up to ten grand, or now what we heard today is twenty thousand dollars per borrower who earned less than one hundred twenty-five thousand last year, as the White House is apparently considering, it's going to squander most of the near-term savings. So its inflation-fighting potential is done. Number two, canceling debt for most borrowers is a giveaway to affluent households, and it's paid for by workers. Number three. Student debt cancellation distracts from the real problem of college affordability. Right? You're, you're, not, you're not incentivizing any change in the status quo by you know, wiping away people's debt. They're just going to go take out more debt. And now the schools don't have an incentive to change and fix the problem, the structural problem. 
Mass debt cancellation by executive order sets a dangerous precedent. It is bad politics. And number six, there are better tools available if you're trying to help struggling borrowers. I can go into all of the uh, the explanations behind that, but if you want to weigh in on this, it's 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. We'll go over here to Jim. Hello, Jim. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey. Yeah, I started at Charlotte College in 1964. I, I love the idea of going away to a school. I didn't think my working-class parents uh, should have to pay that bill or borrow that money. So I commuted. Uh, it was Charlotte College when I started. About a year later, of course, they announced they were going with the UNC system. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had that decision to make over again and knew that was going to happen, I would have uh, petitioned my parents to try to get me to a private school. But that didn't work out. Pete, this is nothing more than the holy alliance of the federal government and all these state governments and, and public education. And when I say public education, I don't mean just K-12, yeah. but all the state university systems. Because this is just a direct uh, uh, shot of drugs right into their financial system. And it's a continuation of the administrative state, uncontrolled uh, federal government, which you just alluded to a while ago with fiat currency, $30 trillion of debt. Mm-hmm. And so it's a win-win for the administrative state and the liberal progressive parties. Including the Republicans, I might add, because I have not heard any Republican uh, uh, politicians lately talking about trying to restrict and cut back the state university systems or public education systems. So that's my comments. Uh, all right, Jim, I do appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Uh, if you want to weigh in, 704 uh, There was another, uh, I'm trying to find, uh, where is Scott Lincecombe? Scott Lincecombe. He's a, a adjunct professor at Duke University, and uh, he's a contributor at uh, Cato.org, a libertarian guy. And he says uh, he's got a piece here quoted from the Wall Street Journal today. Talks about a growing gap between what the books said and what the loans were actually worth. This is at the federal level. Requiring cash infusions from the Treasury to the Education Department long after budgets had been approved and fiscal years had ended in potentially hundreds of billions in losses. So the federal budget assumes the government's going to recover 96 cents of every dollar borrowers default on. That sounded high because in the private sector, it's like 20 cents would be appropriate for defaulted consumer loans that are not backed by an asset. The education department budget officials say, well, they calculated that uh, because when borrowers default, the government just throws those defaulting borrowers into new loans. These pay off the old loans, and so that's considered to be a recovery, even though in many cases the borrowers haven't repaid anything, and the default on the new loans doesn't, right? They're not paying on the new loan either. But they counted as a repayment because they gave them another loan. In actuality, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, the documents, this report or whatever of the findings, they say 
the government's likely to recover somewhere between 51 and 63 percent of defaulted amounts. Um, let me see here. Let me go back to, to, to uh, Lindsay Combs tweet here. This is he put all of this in a um, in a series of tweets. And oh, come on now. What is going on? Oh, Twitter, I hate thee so. Uh, Over three decades, Congress, various administrations, and federal watchdogs had systematically made the student loan program look profitable when, in fact, defaults were becoming more likely. A key motive for letting graduate students borrow unlimited amounts was to use the projected profits from such lending to reduce federal deficits. That, according to congressional aides who drafted uh, legislation, the assumption that all of this student lending would mean growing profits for the federal government and savings for taxpayers has been consistently off the mark. And the phenomenon is worsening in recent years. Some Office of Management and Budget staffers voiced concern that uh, highlighting this uh, uh, these problems is going to undermine President Biden's budget proposals, potentially forcing the government to come up with hundreds of billions of dollars to balance the books. That's so funny. Balance the books. Come on. Nobody does that anymore. It's also going to help affluent households. It's a regressive transfer of wealth. Many people who fell under the income limit last year. So this 120. So this only applies to people who make less less than one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. If you have debt. And you make under one twenty five K then you get the debt forgiveness. You get it wiped away. If you make more than that, you don't get it, okay? Many people who fell under that limit last year, though, are still going to have incomes over the course of their lifetime far above the average, such as a recent law or medical school graduate. They're just starting their career. You get out of If you just got out of medical school, you're going to get this $10,000 forgiveness because you're not making 125 yet. But give it a year or two, maybe three, and and now you're over that. And you're going to make way more money in the course of your lifetime than the people who are footing the bill for you to pay that right now or to get that right now, right? And whether it's through inflation today or higher taxes and spending cuts tomorrow, workers who do not reap the income benefits of a college education are going to bear the costs of canceling debt for those who do. Babylon B put out a... uh, a story, quote unquote, an article <laughs> earlier today saying uh, a hardworking plumber looking forward to paying for his neighbor's gender studies degree. <laughs> there you go. News Talk 1110993WBT. Ben Ritz writing at thehill.com says debt cancellation, this issue of, uh, uh, you know, Joe Biden forgiving the the student loans of people who are you know, making under $125,000, just $10,000 just wiped away for you. Debt cancellation. This topic has sucked all the oxygen away from solutions that would address the underlying problem of college affordability. If the president cancels debt for previous borrowers without offering an actionable plan to prevent future students from ending up in the same position, you're just kicking the can down the road. And that's probably going to make the situation even worse, right? Makes the problem worse. Future borrowers then become less concerned about taking on debt because 
look at the past performance as indicative of future performance. And you're going to say, well, you know, just get another Democrat in office and he'll wipe away some more of my debt. So I'll just keep on taking out loans to keep paying the ever increasing tuition hikes for degrees, multiple degrees in things that will not make me employable. Of course, the key there is I'll just keep voting Democrat. There isn't really any other way to look at this as except a play for the base. This is a payoff to the base, a payoff in real you know, money, but also a, a payoff in a promise. He said that he would do this. He would look to do this. And this is him doing it before the midterms. There's really no other way to look at this. Any other way you try to examine this, there, there, isn't, there isn't another explanation for it. I'm sorry, there isn't. Because if your argument is, oh, well, you know, you're trying to help out the, the people who took out the loans, whatever, well, then why not wipe it all out? Why only 10000 right? People owe way more than that. And why wouldn't you means test it? Why wouldn't it just be for people who took out degrees in, you know, non-medical, non-legal. You're talking degrees in the soft sciences or the the liberal arts degrees, you know, stuff that essentially are not going to earn you a lot of money when you graduate. Why wouldn't you means test and give sort of a, a sliding scale? There are all sorts of ways to get at the issue. If the true issue is you have poor people that took student loans and now they can't repay it and they're, uh, you know, they're under this crushing mountain of debt after just attending a four-year state school, which I'm not buying that, by the way. I'm not, uh, I'm not believing that there are people under a crushing debt after taking you know, four years at uh, NC State to learn some math or science-related uh, uh, field. Not buying it. I know. I, I totally buy that there are people with like, you know, 15th century Spanish literature, uh, they may have a difficult time landing a gig that pays them well. I do not, I do not doubt that. Um, but what do I know? For all I know, 14th century, 15th century Spanish literature might actually be a very lucrative field. I do not know. Doing so uh, may worsen the problem because future borrowers take out more debt because they know that it's going to get or they believe it's going to get forgiven. And then university is going to take advantage of the dynamic, and they're going to raise their prices even more, right? Because there's no limiting principle here. When student loan pro, uh, program in 1965, Ben Ritz says it gave the executive branch discretion to offer targeted debt forgiveness to borrowers facing specific distress, such as those who had been defrauded. Never did those lawmakers imagine that a president would abuse this authority by just giving away indiscriminate amounts of money. And this is going to open the door for future presidents to usurp the power of the purse and unilaterally spend trillions more down the line. What's to stop a presidential candidate from offering to repay all of it under this, uh, under this precedent? Well, here's the other side of it. Po- uh, Politics-wise. Is it possible? Okay, I'm not even going to frame it as a question. It is more than possible that the Biden administration knows that this thing is DOA. It's not going to pass constitutional muster. It's not legal, just like the U.S. Department of Education said uh, way back. I mean, I'm old enough to remember this. It was 2021. The Department of Ed said that the executive branch, quote, does not have the statutory authority to cancel, compromise, discharge or forgive on a blanket or mass basis principal balances of student loans 
and or to materially modify the repayment amounts of or terms thereof. Right? They can't he can't do it. But I suspect they're going to do the same play that they did with the eviction moratorium. Remember that? When the eviction moratorium was coming up to be uh, uh when it was coming up to its expiration deadline and people were like you have to extend it, you have to extend it. And then they were like we can't extend it. That would be illegal and then they were like, you have to, you have to, you have to. We love you, Joe. If you don't, we're not going to vote for you. And so they were like, okay, fine, we'll do it. And everybody said, you can't do that. And then it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, yeah, no, you can't do that. And then what happens? It expires, and the Biden camp says, well, we tried. We tried to do this. But those mean Supreme Court justices, they wouldn't let us. That's what I mean. It's political. It's about optics. It's about... Getting the base motivated.